Yo, what is going on and welcome to Can We Talk About This with Murphy Wells. I am, of course, him. He is me. And I would like to welcome you to the episode today. If this is your first time listening, thank you for chiming in. I appreciate it. This is a personal development, self-improvement, and current events podcast I created last year, really to just get out what is on my head and on my heart to whatever audience is willing to listen. And quite honestly, the audience has grown considerably, and I am very, very fortunate for that. Um, and if you are a returning listener, hey, that's a big shout out to you. I appreciate it. And with today's episode, in case of emergency, take red pill. This is an episode my significant other has been wanting me to do for a long time. Uh, she is an admittedly huge fan of the Matrix franchise, specifically the first movie, to where she actually has uh, a word in Latin tattooed on her rib. I think it's Tenet Noche. I don't know if I said that correctly. But effectively, it's something that we talk about a lot is the idea of the Matrix in real life. And she has wanted me to do this podcast for a long time. And with an experience I had today, I thought it was a really, really good time to take the inspiration from that experience today and make the episode in and of itself. So the experience I speak of is actually today, uh, my friends, Mark Joe, who's been on my podcast before, and his friend and business partner, Jeff Lavecchio, they both do the Give More, Be More podcast. And they actually had a group of people that are listeners and friends and followers get together and really just talk. It was really, really interesting how simple it actually fucking was. And we all got together in a room. It was like personal development AA where we all like sat in a circle. And originally they, they had only brought out apparently like five chairs. And Mark even went so far to mention like, yeah, I knew Grace was going to be here. I knew Murph was going to be here. I didn't recognize anyone else was going to be here. And there was a room of about 20, 23 people in there that all got together about 10 a.m. on a Sunday. And we talked about effectively what we've taken away from Mark and Jeff's podcast. The big thing I had to say was that culture does move masses, which I've mentioned with Mark on this show. Um, where we're from and what it is we're focused on and goals we had. And the thing was is that Mark and Jeff exclusively went on these, these tangents about this is the problem with society today is that too many people don't get together in a room and talk anymore, to which I'd have to thoroughly agree. I'm somebody who not only works in the social media space, but as a guy who majored in English, I've admitted, I think on the last episode, my biggest strength in life is communication, both written and verbal. I, I, it almost feels foreign to people to get together and just talk about what's important to you. The most impressive part was is that people were actually putting their phones the fuck down. Like, it is really, really, really hard to find any occasion where people are not plugged in or isolated or just kind of going through the motions. And with noticing that today with Mark and Jeff's statements and what they've been able to start doing with their podcasts and some of the awesome people I was able to meet today just by getting outside of my phone, being present in the moment, communicating, talking, laughing, having some deep, deep words between people. You got to hear a lot of stories, you got to hear a lot of perspectives, and a lot of connections were made in a very, very short amount of time. And so with combining the two topics I spoke on so far, the idea largely is of this episode is that I want to hopefully, if you are not quote unquote woke, don't ever let me use that phrase again, unquote. <laughs> if you are not actually aware of the the matrix that engulfs us all and it, it, trying to be as intentional as possible about breaking that matrix, more importantly, breaking others out of that matrix, that's what I hope to do with this podcast today. Now, I will say as far as the matrix goes, I'm not a huge fan of the franchise. I love the first movie, as I think most people do. I don't care about any other intellectual property associated with The Matrix. I think they've all been inferior other than that. 
Um, but I love the idea of the first movie, and it speaks so much to the effect of the times we were living in then and the times we are now living in, which is when you look around, it's hard to find people not on their phones. Here in the Midwest, it's a little different where we, we actually like to talk to each other. But specifically, if you go to like the East or the West Coast, it's it's hard to find people that are friendly and neighborly to each other like it is here. It's, a, it's way different. And most people walk around with this awful sense of self-deprecation and certain people are lucky and certain people have it special and I'm just not like that and you're just not cut out for that. And while I have turned my life into a catalyst against those thoughts, I think a lot of people are still wondering like how they can do that themselves. And I, I, I loved doing, and I also loved the reception of the four levels of personal development. But on today's episode, it, it's not so much the idea of personal development, but today really is taking that red pill and breaking free from the matrix in your own life. That thing that connects us all to complacency and in some cases deviance, but in most cases, if not all cases, mediocrity. And so today, I'm going to have three talking points about how to take the red pill and break out of the matrix. So when we think of what the matrix is, as far as the movie, the matrix, the matrix is this linked consciousness between all people where they're effectively in these little pods, barely being kept alive. The life is being sucked out of them, but all of their senses, all of their mental faculties are plugged into a computer program. And while they're all plugged into this computer program, which has all these visions of consumerism and mercantilism and the ideas that money equals happiness and that your status is everything and you have to work this kind of job and this corporate building and everything's gray and everyone who fights against you is a Mr. Smith, a robot of the system. It paints a very bleak picture of what our lives really are. And the metaphor is, is that as humans, what do we do? We are born, we are told we are never good enough to do anything besides die and pay taxes, the two definites in life. If you are lucky, you will put yourself into college debt after working your ass off in school. You'll marry young, you'll have a bunch of kids, you'll, you'll get in debt to a house that you can't afford. Something I'm actually trying to do is get out of that debt right now. And effectively, you're going to spend the rest of your life paying interest, taking out debt to buy things you don't need to impress people you don't really like. And even with how you spend your time in those little moments, all the while, while you could be building your own thing, your face is forever in your phone. You're living vicariously. That FOMO bullshit is all you really care about. And so as you're keeping up with the Joneses and as you're looking at, especially here in the Western world, how pertinent the Joneses are, the thing is, is that there are so many factors at work that try to detach us from becoming our ultimate selves. Because as individuals, we are very, very powerful. We are so incredibly powerful. And that is the concept really with Neo choosing to break the matrix and see how far he can go. That is him saying to the system, I don't need your delusion. I don't need you to tell me what's good and bad for me. And even with the little scene where he's like, I know Kung Fu, that's because his surprise on his face, the reason that is, is because we all have that ability to say like, I can run a marathon, I can start a business, I can do 75 hard, I can work for my role model, I can I can be wealthy, I don't have to make the same mistakes my parents did, 
those thoughts break the matrix. The matrix likes to pull you back in. It's the crabs in the bucket analogy just for a different generation. Now, with all this being said, we're starting to get an idea of the concept, the context behind the bigger idea, which is there are things put in this world that we are told and sold to distract us from becoming our best selves. And then there is a bunch of things that we can do to counteract that. Largely, the idea here is that operating at a low frequency, someone who is not excited to do things, who is just going through the motions, who is complacent being a cog, who always wants to consume, this kind of person is trapped in the matrix. And I'll be honest, I realize that there are some people out there that like being trapped in the matrix. I can't relate to you, but I still want to help you. Because on the other end, especially working for someone like Andy and Sal, folks who didn't grow up any different than me, and especially in Sal's case, Sal worked in places like Johnson & Johnson, which is a big company. From a stock perspective, Johnson & Johnson's awesome. They pay a dividend. They're typically growing. You find their products in everyone's house. But really, out of the last three years, I've learned a lot of things about the company that I don't like. Even Sal, he escaped off to create his own thing with Andy and Chris and Jason and a few other guys in first form. And now look what we do. We talk about personal development. We help change people's lives physically. We make it an effort to make people better. And hell, the first thing when you come work at first form is you're given a book. You are told to read this one book before any other book. It is The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach, which I have now either read or listened to twice. And along with that, the Dave Ramsey... I've, I've started to really see what it is that I do on a daily basis to keep myself distracted and the other things to keep other people distracted. And so with these three talking points, I know the preamble to this has been very, very long, but I think contextualizing is always important. And there are some people who don't like contextualization. They just want the straight value. Give it to me, A, B, C. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not... Actually, I'm not sorry. Fuck it. I am not sorry in the littlest bit. If you don't like my preambles, I don't know why you're listening to the show, Okay. Context is important, and that's a very, very important thing with these concepts is that most people, when they are explaining things, they don't offer you context. So the context behind this, we are reactive, we are plugged in, and we are consumers. So one by one, how do we go about rectifying these? All right, let's start on the first end, which is the, one of the first habits you learn about in the seven habits of highly effective people, which is a book I'm going to analyze and break down and give you tips from in the way you want it someday, is that being proactive, not reactive, is a very important concept to breaking free from the matrix. Now, why is this? Think about everything in life that you have never wanted to do. What do you do? You put it off to the last minute. You go to bed late. You wake up after hitting your snooze alarm 30 minutes into the day. You should have been up 30 minutes ago. Now you've got to rush. Everything's fast-paced. You don't have your work together. You don't have your morning routine done. Your life is disorganized. You're in a constant stream of chaos. What do you do? You reach for things to soothe you. You reach for the bottle. You reach for the weed pen. You reach for the comfort food, the high-saturated fat, high-sugar bullshit that as soon as that energy crashes, you're reaching for more of it. You're always late to leave for things. You're always in traffic. And the only thing that you really can do throughout all of it is you have to either 
continue the cycle or you have to break the cycle. And this is why getting ahead in life is so hard, is that not only the fact of saying that we as humans like to procrastinate, we like to be undisciplined and chaotic, is that when you look at why the people who win the way that they do, they are proactive. In a lot of cases, they wake up early. They do things without being told. The people, the FIRE community, the financial independence retire early community, their whole thing is spend a few years as, as early as you can living below your means and putting money away so that you don't have to work for a bunch of shit under people you don't like to keep up with Joneses who don't fucking matter. It's a disciplined thing is proactivity. A core value at first form is taking initiative. And some things that we could all take a little bit more initiative on, that we could be a little bit more proactive on, are actually just how you wake up in the morning and how you go to bed at night. They're very correlated. At the end of the day, you're going to need the same amount of sleep that you need to make it through the day. A little trick is this. If you're going to bed earlier, you can determine when it is that you wake up at a more reasonable rate and you don't have to stress out as much. And if you front load all the things you have to do in the day, guess what? You don't have to worry about being stressed out before bed. My biggest commitment that I've made this year is not being in debt with my time. And I'd like to tell you it's going pretty well so far, which is on average, most days you could attribute it to 75 hard, or you could just attribute it to the fact that I'm being intentional and aware of how I spend my time. I'm waking up typically an hour to an hour and a half early. Here in central time, I'm able to comfortably get up for my job Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. unless I'm going to jujitsu. On those days I go to jujitsu, I was typically getting up at 5.30. I'd leave at 6.30. I'd get there at 7. But I'd always run into traffic. I would always have so many things I'd want to do and I'd always be rushing around to do them. I would forget about this. I'd forget about that. In all occasions now, I'm typically wake, waking up an hour to an hour and a half than I was before. So what happens? I have a better morning routine. I'm more fulfilled in the morning. Between... The, the journaling and the meditation and the mobility and hell, sometimes the one to two minute cold shower I like to take, making myself breakfast, actually sitting down and being able to enjoy it, read my 10 pages, often listen to an audiobook and a podcast. I can get all those things done in the morning. I can invest in myself all because I decided to give myself a little bit more time getting out of bed. I haven't really been hitting my snooze alarm. At best, I'll sleep in like five minutes. That five minutes matters, though. It matters so much, and it matters more than any money I could be making as well. But even with the opportunities in life, if you're going to think about it, you might as well go out and fucking do it. With, with my podcast, because I had been spending so much time with Mark, who is next to Will Grumke in my life and short of Andy and Sal, probably the most proactive human being I know. Like, he talked about it on my podcast that he would wake up before all the other inmates when he was in prison so he could have some alone time to himself. The dude has an amazing morning routine. And just seeing what he was able to do with all the different podcasts he's created, he's had a podcast with his brother, he had the Mark Joe podcast, or Coffee with Mark podcast, he had Mark and Grace, and now he's got to get more, be more. The dude has friggin' less time than the average individual because of all the things he's invested in. And guess what? He inspired me to start a podcast so I'm just sitting back on the sidelines. I fucking sent it. No half sends either. Being friends with Mark and seeing what he was able to be proactive on, both working at First Form and now what he's doing with his podcast, his brand, Gnome and Coffee Co. 
Hell, even his relationship with, with Grace requires proactivity. The dude is not only one of my best friends, but in a lot of ways, he is a role model and a mentor to me. And when you see the fact that most people would rather stay up late, watching Netflix, watching stupid bullshit, not getting any value for their time, well, there are people who go to bed early and they wake up early. And what that does is it gives you the mental edge on everyone else. But the root of it is still proactivity. If there is a project you want to do, then just slowly get started. If, if there is debt you want to pay off, then slowly get started. If there is somebody that you feel that you should be, well, then you might as well get started and stop waiting. Stop waiting until Monday. Stop waiting until next year. Stop waiting until you're fucking 30. If I had been proactive about saving money and not getting in debt from the time I graduated high school, I could be retired right now. Right now. But that's the thing. We want to wait. We'll ultimately understand if you are proactive and not reactive, the thing is, is that if you're proactive, you're earning compound interest on your time. Time is more valuable than any money, which means the experience you're getting, the confidence you're building, the discipline that you are writing into your DNA to become the best version of yourself, that's going to pay you dividends because you're able to take on harder tasks after that with more ease and more consistency and more regularity. But if you are being reactive, you are actively paying the matrix interest on your time. Reactivity is debt. And debt keeps you broke. And you know what? I, I, I love that I've gotten into Dave Ramsey because when you look at Dave Ramsey, he's been preaching the same shit proactively for 30 years, which is the people who are really in debt, you need to proactively stop your expenses, living a life that you can't afford, you need to live below your means proactively. And you need to start chipping away at debt. Okay, cool. I'm not going to be in financial debt. I'm not going to be in time debt. I'm in debt to me. I owe me this shit. And it doesn't stop at 75 hard. It doesn't stop in my career first form. It says no matter what I do or where I'm going, I am going to make something of myself because I proactively decided to. So... Step number one, stop living reactively, start living proactively. Wake up a little earlier by going to bed a little earlier, invest in yourself on the front end, take care of you first so you're free to take care of everything else thereafter. You can do it completely fulfilled and understand not every day is going to be perfect. Not every day is going to be a Zen meditation of how fucking happy you are that you woke up that day. Many days I want to go the fuck back to bed. It is cold as a motherfucker in the Midwest. My bed is toasty. My heat is popping. You think I want to fucking get up? No, I don't want to fucking get up. But I do. Step one, be proactive. Step two, moderate social media. Have more real life conversations. I'm over the term FOMO. I'm over the fear of missing out. Most people who are scared of missing out, most people who have imposter syndrome, most people who have this idea that they have to live on social media, I coach social media. And when I was talking to a girl today and she goes, I took four months off social media. I was like, what's it like? That's so nice. And don't get me wrong. I invest in my social media. The basis of my business is being able to make reels and YouTube videos for people and businesses if I am able to. 
But do you think I don't notice that every 10 seconds I actually have to like scroll my phone if I am bored? Now, I walk a very interesting life. I am able to have a lot of conversations professionally and also interpersonally that most folks are not willing to have. And again, being from the Midwest and also being from the South, as I understand it, we have a friendlier demeanor of people here. My lady is from California, even a part of California that I would agree with more ideologically. She says, it's so weird when I come here and everyone is polite and thoughtful and considerate. Why is that? And it's because we have a simple life out here in the Midwest. And don't get me wrong. People from St. Louis can be mean as fuck. I can be mean as fuck. I can also be super impersonal, but I try not to do that because not only am I someone who is aware that it is hard to talk to a lot of people who all have their faces and their fucking phones, it's, it's, it's hard because a lot of people are not expecting it, but this is why it doesn't have to be you just walk up on someone and be like, so, you know, I fell down and scraped my knee yesterday. People are going to be like, you're fucking weird. Okay, that that is that is not what this this point is about. It means that when you have an opportunity to stop and talk to someone at least once a day, you should do it. If you are someone who has a business or a service or a sales job that involves talking to people, the only way you're going to get better at it is by doing what? Talking to people. I, I challenge people who I work with every day, every day to go out and have one new conversation a day. The best way to start it is by giving someone a compliment and asking follow-up questions. Little little trick of life here. If you want to be good with people, you got to remember two things. People don't remember what you do or say. People remember how you make them feel. And also, people love to talk about themselves. Anytime anyone gets interested in me, I'm like, oh shit, this guy wants to hear about me. What do I say? But then I remember, I know how to have this conversation. I'm going to talk about things that make me feel good. Things that make me feel good about myself to that person. And hopefully they do the same. Because a basis of where you're interested in someone else and the other person has a lot to talk about, things that they're happy about, things that they're excited about, things they feel really, really strongly about, those are the conversations that more likely than not will help make you a friend. And right now, the idea is, is that when you are plugged into social media, I'm literally copying this straight from Mark and Jeff earlier, but I don't care because I know that their message is one that most of you can benefit from. Also, you should check out their podcast, the Give More, Be More podcast. It's badass. Jeff has some of the cleanest merch. I told him today I want a hat in every color. He has the NHL logo with a GMVM on it. That's badass, bro. You know, they talked about the fact of saying, like, as you're plugged into social media, what happens? You gravitate towards things that you ideologically agree with, and that creates a sense of tribalism in people. And then when you go over here, you are scared of everything else that moves outside of your tribe. And I am guilty of it too. I've gone on this podcast, I don't know how many times, and I've talked about how much left-wing policies and you know the super progressive side of things piss me off because it's overly idealistic and it's not practical by my estimation. However, that doesn't mean I have to be combative with people. Today, at the event, there was a girl who we were talking about getting out of debt, and she was actually very, very sweet. And we, we talked about this one concept and how I'm trying to get out of debt, ideally within the next year or two. I want none of my debt anymore. And she goes, yeah, I've got a certain amount in student loans, and I'm just praying the government comes down and takes it from me. 
And I told her, well, number one, that's not going to happen because Joe Biden was just trying to get some popularity brownie points right before midterms. That was never going to happen ever, 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 ever. But number two, I didn't tell her she was stupid. I didn't tell her she was wrong. I just said, I get that. I understand where you're coming from. I don't hope that happens. And we had a very thoughtful conversation. And for what it's worth, I don't think that she was particularly progressive, but this was something we disagreed on. We just had an open conversation. We got to become friends. We exchanged numbers. She was super cool. She works in uh, graphic design. I work in media production. She said, hey, would you possibly ever want to help with projects that have to do with real estate? And I'm like, well, shit, I don't know a whole lot about filming or photographing real estate, but I can learn. And I guarantee you that that new friend I made, that new friend I made who we, we, we got along on so many things, we disagreed on something. If we had not had that conversation, we would not have been friends. And if I would have stayed plugged into the matrix and she would have gotten plugged into the matrix, if I would have reacted tribally, reaction, reactively, we would have walked away from that never being friends. Some of my best friends from college, whenever the 2020 election came around, they couldn't stand the fact that I said I wanted Donald Trump to be president. All right? We could have talked about it. We could still be friends. A lot of you could have moved on from the stupid little bullshit early to mid-20s lifestyles you're living where you think the government owes you something or life owes you something. You could be out there fulfilling your dreams, but instead, no. You're plugged into jobs you hate. Plugging into media that makes you upset and mad and feeds on your insecurities. And you're living at such a low vibration. Anytime someone new comes along, if they even ruffle your feathers a little bit, what happens? You just go back to living in the little corner, the little turtle shell that you've created for yourself. And that is fucking sad. It is sad that when you talk to kids these days, that they barely know how to form words. When I was a little kid, my mom pulled me into the restaurants and I was shaking hands. I was looking people in their eye. I got into theater and I got into English and communications. And it's a place that I've really thrived. And I understand that that is not everybody. But the one thing I will credit my mom for right here and now is that she always, always, always pushed me to go talk to the adults, to be interested in what they had going on, to be interested in what they had to say. And you can learn something from anybody and everybody. Even if it's like learning the example of who you don't want to be, you only get it through really talking to people. And yes, you can talk to people on social media. But the problem with social media is it allows you to portray yourself as an ideal image of yourself. When everybody was doing the artificial intelligence renderings of themselves, I didn't do it. And I was enticed to do it. Because what did all those renderings do? They allowed you to look a certain type of way that typically most humans are not going to be able to achieve. Typically most. I understand no absolutes. But when you are face-to-face -face with somebody, when you actually have to hear the words that come out of their mouths, when you actually have to see the actions they commit to, when you see what their values are in real time, that is something that is just irreplaceable in terms of what it means to have a human experience, especially around finding who your tribe is and who can be a part of that tribe, but really getting to know them as people. So if you want to have more control over your time how you conduct yourself, use your phone a little less. I'm not saying you have to log off of Twitter or TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. I'm not saying don't use your phone or the internet for anything. I am saying watch how many times a day you scroll social media. 
Think about how many times a day you get pissed off, whether it's an article, whether it's someone who you just love to hate on. I've had those people, and I am that person for a lot of people, and I can admit that. Watch yourself while you are on social media and see how emotionally volatile you become about every little post, every little thing that comes your way, every little like you get that gives you that, 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 that dopamine response. And watch what happens when you try to put your phone out of reach. You feel naked. You feel scared. You feel like someone took you off your heroin. Okay. The only way to combat that is to understand that this phone that sits right next to me, it's face down right now. This phone does not control me. I control me. And if you go out and you talk to real people, you get uncomfortable and you focus on them, not you. They will focus on you, not them. If you focus on making each other feel really good for the right reasons, I guarantee you, you can make friends, you can make memories, you can have experiences, and you can be fulfilled from that. And what this matrix wants us to do is it wants us closed off into our rooms, into our homes. I'm incredibly introverted. I smoke a fuck ton of weed. Sometimes it is hard to get out of that. Ultimately, the matrix wants to keep you at a low vibration because low vibrations are easy to stay in. It's easy to be mediocre. It's easier to not go out and talk to people. It is easy to stay the way you are as opposed to investing in what you could become. The high vibrations, once you get on a roll, you don't want to leave that roll. Why? Because it feels good to separate from the matrix. And then what do people say? You're weird. I don't get you. Sounds like work. What's hard? The more you bellyache and bitch, the more you are asking for life to serve you a whole plate full of matrix shit. And then to serve you seconds and then to serve you dessert. And what happens? You live there permanently. There are people who could have achieved amazing things in life, but they decided it was too hard. And that's really my third point that I want to get into and close out the upside with, guys. And believe you me, I'm not upset as I talk about these things, but I am impassioned and I am honest because I, I've, I've been in both positions. I have been someone who has been very reactive for probably the first 23, 24 years of my life. Only in the last six years of my life have I really gotten to see what I've made of and I've achieved a bunch of goals. I have made up a lot of time. I've still lost a lot of time. But I am now thinking bigger to the future because I went stopped from being reactive and I started being proactive. I, I, I look, I still use a lot of social media, but I also have a job that requires me to interact with real people. I have friends that get people together. And I understand that going out and talking to a person a day, trying to make a friend a day, focusing on building good, healthy, positive relationships with people is not what makes the matrix happy. Why? Because when we're all vibrating at a high frequency, we can tell the matrix to fuck off. But finally, and this is probably going to be the hardest one for most people, I understand that. The thing is, is that not only do we have to moderate how reactive we are, how much social media we use, we also have to moderate our consumption and optimize our productivity. The idea really is, is that when you look at most wealthy people, the people who did not just like save their way to wealth, look at the captains of industries. What did they do? They became producers. They had a product. They had a service. They had something that they could do to make people's lives better. And they believed in their ability to do it more than anyone else. 
Look at Andy. Look at Chris. Chris Klein, that is. Started with $12,000 from striving parking lots and streets. Turned it into a little vitamin shop. That little vitamin shop turned into a bunch of vitamin shops. And then from there, effectively, they, they started their own house brand and a bunch of other brands each. And now they can live like no one else because they produce results. They produce high-quality results. Look at a guy like Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins was a kid from a very early age. He was like the, the fire community before it was fire. He's been doing financial planning and personal development and public speaking and is worth more than a half billion dollars at this point. Ed Milet, financial services, personal development, entrepreneur coaching. Gary V, social media marketing extraordinaire, personal development extraordinaire. Even if you don't look at the personal development space, look at a guy like fucking Elon Musk, who not only did PayPal, but taught himself how to engineer. If this dude was just sitting back, doing the bullshit, living reactively, living passively, eating his weight in Doritos, he wouldn't own fucking Twitter right now. Now, you may hear all that and say, well, Murph, that's great. I, I don't have a, a talent like that. I'm not an entrepreneur. That's not me. So fuck off. That idea doesn't appeal to me. No, that, that idea appeals to everybody because we all have a different way of offering value. You could start a business with like no overhead these days. Like you could start a business or you could do something that adds value to people's lives and then you become ultimately more valuable. What I say in my last podcast I already have all the overhead figured out. I was doing it for passion. Now I can make a profit from my social media services, from my media productions business. Okay, cool. Sometimes it's not even a business. Sometimes it's just community service. When I was on probation, one of the things I had to do, which, fuck, I hated going to feed my people. But the thing was, is that, and I'll say this on the air, is that like Feed My People really helped me out. They were not used to people on probation, needing community service hours, coming in, just being friendly and being helpful. They they weren't used to me being there consistently week in and week out. And they were very, very taken aback that when I came in there, I was respectful and happy to help and just offering little little bits of help wherever I could. And so oftentimes as a means of like meeting me halfway, they would write me out more hours than I actually worked. And so you have to understand, you don't have to spend money. You don't have to have a business in order to impact your community. You just have to be focused on helping your community. And while it could be volunteer work, it could be community service, it could be your church, you can start a business, you can offer products and service, you could help out groups like military veterans, the retirement community, anyone you want. If you find a cause that you believe in, if you find something of value that you have to offer, it could strictly, and look, look, I said it last time and I'll say it again, there are three ways that you can offer value and really, really be seen as valuable, especially if it appeals to like social media, is you can teach people stuff and educate them, you can impact them, inspire them with your perspective, which I hope to do with this podcast, or you can entertain people. Quite honestly, with this podcast, I'm doing exactly that. I would not be surprised if one day, because I started when I was 29, if I keep doing this to the time I'm like 34, 35, even into my 40s, I imagine this podcast will somehow make me a lot of money, not just because it's me getting on a microphone and rambling and talking a whole bunch of shit. More importantly, it's because a lot of people will find it valuable and they don't want it to stop. When you watch the original episodes of the Joe Rogan Experience, and I mean watch them, 
not just listen to them, but you watch them almost 2,000 episodes ago. Joe's setup was worse than mine now. Think about that. And now the guy makes $50 million a year from Spotify. And, and the cool thing is, is that he only hires like two other people. We already know who Jamie is. But the thing about value is, is that it, you don't have to get paid from it immediately or in terms of like directly from it. The things about you offering value are just that a lot of people will be able to say that you helped them. They will speak good on your name. And if you help, one other quote from the seven habits of highly effective people is everyone is so concerned about making a million dollars. You never hear anyone talk about how do I help a million people? There are people who give shit away for free their whole lives and they retire very rich. And what does that money allow them to do? What does that status allow them to do? It allows them to reinvest more. And they know that somehow, some way, the gifts that they will receive will be more. Look at that. Give more, be more. I I did not even mean to do that. Jeff, if you listen to this, this dude told a story about how he was on a trip. And he was looking around at the, the area he was in. And he was looking at what he thought his life had like built up to. And he's like, dude, I, I got to give more. I got to be more. And then he got tattooed on his arm. All right, dude, he is completely right. Because the people who only take, the people who operate that low frequency, the people who bumble through life and stay plugged into the matrix and they got on their meta VR goggles and everything in their life is automated. In the words of George Carlin, they all have a phone that can rub their balls and make them pancakes. Everyone's too fat and happy. Everyone's too goddamn fat and happy. And that actually does make me mad because a bunch of do-nothing motherfuckers sit around all day talking about what victims they are, how hard life is, why their problems are different. No, you're being a fucking pussy. That is your problem. And that is ultimately what the Matrix wants you to do. It wants you to be a sad, whiny, pro-victim little bitch that it gets to bend over and suck the life out of you. Dry, by the way. And most of us, I would say roughly 80% of people are happy to comply. I believe another 15% of people are working to get out of that. I believe five will be successful. 5% of those people will actually be successful in doing it. And I believe 2% of people will transcend the matrix into something that I have no fucking comprehension of. But I would love to get there. And between this and my job and my business and the other media investors I want to get into, the YouTube and the book, you can guarantee that before I die, I will be a part of that. I took the red pill a long time ago. I took the red pill when I was sitting in jail in 2016, Black Friday 2016. They took my shoelaces and they said, this is so you don't kill yourself. Well, thanks. Because not only did I not kill myself, I killed the old me and the new me is doing real good. I'm paying off debt. I have my own residence. I got a plan I believe in. I got friends that are good for me. I got a career that's awesome. I have an awesome vision for my business. And I am the best I have ever been, but not the best I ever will be. And I think coming to that distinction right there, that fourth level of personal development, I think I've told the Matrix to kiss my ass for a long time. More importantly, I think I'm going to be able to take some people with me. And that right there, in a nutshell, 
are the three ways that you can take a red pill and break the matrix. Number one, be proactive, not reactive. If you are proactive with your time, your time will pay you compound interest. If you are reactive with your time, you are paying interest to the matrix and the matrix is always open for donations. Number two, unplug a little bit and talk to more people. The more people you talk to, the more friends you can make. The more friends you can make, the more connections you have, the better your circle will be. The better your circle is and the bigger it gets for the right reasons, the more people that you invest in, those people will invest back into you. But it takes getting uncomfortable. It takes not doing something behind a screen. It takes not always caring about fucking social media in the forms of TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or whatever the fuck because you're scared of missing out. Okay. You need to live a life that people look at you and they say, I want to be you. Not just because you put it on Instagram, because it's hard to miss someone who's winning that much, someone who impacts people that much, but you got to get out and talk to them. And finally, number three, stop blindly consuming. Moderate your consumption and focus on being a producer. Create results. Add value. Make people laugh. Make people smile. Make people think. Get people fired up to run through a fucking wall because you live a life that says to him, wow, I better put away the fucking Doritos. I better put away the 40 ounce. I better put down the blunt. Well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to smoke a blunt after this, but I got a lot of shit done before I did it. And you know what? I produced this podcast right before I did it. So I earned that blunt. So thank you very much. Guys, I hate to toot my own horn, but I think this might be the most important episode I've ever put out uh, in terms of the relative importance of content I've put out on this podcast. No Half Sends is forever my favorite episode that I think I will ever do just because it represents a point where I think I, 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 I crossed the threshold of these three points I spoke on today, and it's something that I was really self-aware of. But regardless of this is your favorite episode, that is your favorite episode, if you're enjoying the the increased frequency of me being here... All I ask is that if you listened to this point in the podcast, tell a friend, share it to your story, leave me a review, leave me a rating on Spotify. Really, especially if you are on Apple Podcasts, guys, I understand Spotify is most places, is, is the most frequent place people will listen to my podcast. But if you can leave me a written review, even if it is something that you didn't like, I would really appreciate that because your word of mouth is going to be the main thing that helps me grow this podcast. I'm never going to pay for advertising because that's not why I do it. It's that if people like it and it's good, put it out there. Please help me grow it. it since I restarted putting in more uh, frequency into my episodes, I am up 15 followers per my RSS feed, which I, I don't know what exactly they're following on if they're like subscribed to either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but it means it's reaching more people. It means you guys like the product. All right, well, if you like the product, tell people that you like the product. Leave a review. Even if you're ripping me, even if you leave me less than five stars, I would appreciate it. But unplug from the matrix, plug into some real shit, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. <laughs>